Welcome to the Flyover Ministry Podcast, a practical youth ministry podcast for small church leaders by small church leaders. We are grateful that you have joined us for our journey through ministry-related topics that we hope help equip and encourage you as you serve Jesus wherever you are. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jordan. And we love rap music. We always have. And we always will. This is Flyover Ministry. Jordan, you're looking confused. Well, I, I actually do. So if it was like satire, I'd be like, well, that's, I mean, I, I kind of do like it. So there we go. <laughs> I uh, I was hoping that you would get that reference. And I believe you do. Nope. No? What? No, Jordan. Ah, well, what's the reference? Then I'll tell you if I know it or not. DC Talk. Like that's a line from DC Talk. Yeah, it's one of the one of the songs. Okay, so that's that's DC Talk before I became DC Talk fan. Oh my goodness! So I was I was not always in the DC Talk wagon. So the Mm. album before Jesus Freaks was when I kind of entered. Yeah, you strike me as more of a Barlow girl kind of person. All the boys in the band want a Valentine from the Barlow girls. <laughs> Guys think they're the bomb because they remind them of their mom. Oh my goodness! That's super chick. <laughs> I... <laughs> oh, we are well off the rails already. Look uh, at I me being it. all culturally relevant here. Culturally. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, saddle up your horses. We gotta. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to find my place in this world. (laughs) Oh, man. This is Flyover Ministry. We are... Are you sure we're not 90 CCM in or something? (laughs) CCM? I'm I'm just waiting for you to whip out, like, uh, Carmen or something. (laughs) Well, I don't want to riot on my hands. Oh, no. I did it. You did do that. Uh... I'll give you a shout out from Kirk Franklin with the whoop whoop and uh, move on into some theology here as we look at the role of theology in youth ministry. Uh, I know sometimes when you talk about theology or any big $5 Christian word like that, you wind up getting uh, a little bit of the dull stare of the dairy cow from your students or even a little bit of the intimidation of, I don't know what that word means. Why does this scare me so much? And I'll be honest, like when you start thinking about theology, even uh, back a few years, even prior to my uh, time in seminary, theology is kind of intimidating because there's a lot there and it's really important. And how do you talk about something that's really important with people who wind up going cross-eyed as you talk about something important with them? So we are trying to focus on that uh, this month as we get into the role of theology uh, as youth pastors, especially, but even as people who teach all generations within the church. Maybe you are one who's teaching an adult Sunday school class, or maybe you have like a, a conversation with people who are struggling on a specific topic or 
are confused about some kind of doctrine of scripture or, you know, I read this in my devotions and I just don't know what this means. And uh, to help them work through uh, a little and to draw them deeper in their relationship with Jesus. So Jordan, question for you. What does theology mean? Theology means dash mark, theology, dash mark, study of God slash religious beliefs. I'm just reading like the teleprompter, like somebody else. I know. No, um, it's not that kind of podcast, Jordan. Yeah. Pull so up, pull up. With, with these things too, I think it's helpful just because we talk about theology being an intimidating word, doctrine being an intimidating word. And like when you talk to students about what's your theology, what's your doctrine, they'd be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I have one. When the reality is like, it's kind of like worldview. Everybody's got one. It's just, is yours orthodox and good or is it not? And so with theology and doctrine, sometimes the, the bigness of that word can scare us because we don't use it all that much, right? So theology is simply the study of God. If you think the, um, the breakdown of the words theo, which is God, God and ology, or like that's the knowledge of, right? Yeah, study yeah. of or knowledge of. Yeah, so that's that's all that theology is, but that's not all that it is in the sense that there's like so much to it. Because if you're taking an infinite being and you're trying to communicate the knowledge of that infinite being, A, it's going to be limited because we are finite, but B, your potential source is literally infinite, so you're never going to end. So it's a huge undertaking, right? Mm-hmm. But it, the concept is very simple. It is the study or the knowledge of God. And um, that directs our our life as followers of Jesus, right? And well, even if we're not followers of Jesus, your theology will direct your life, right? Even if you claim to be atheistic without any belief in God, that theology, which it is a theology, will um, by nature direct how you live and interpret your life, right? So you'll have nihilism and, and all these other things that can pop up um, built out of this basic concept of who you believe God is or is not. There's something to be said as well, like as you look at the grand scope of things that um, I'm thinking about Romans 1, especially when you start looking at a book like Romans, like if you want to work through Romans, there's no way to not talk about theology. So a lot of our people are already dabbling in this realm a little bit and getting their feet wet in theology already as they read the Bible. We just want to make them aware so that they can take more full advantage of what they are uh, experiencing. And I will acknowledge here that uh, for the people who do know um, theology and uh, acknowledge the importance of studying that particular topic and grabbing hold and coming to a deeper understanding of who God is through the study of God's word, um, I just want to acknowledge here that as we kind of set the stage and give us some definitions of some larger terms of what we're going to be looking at, we're going to be looking at God's word, especially this month, as uh, a helpful tool to help flush out what we're talking about. But we want to be, uh, again, a good resource for you. So if there's questions you have as we grapple through a lot of this, we welcome that kind of feedback on our social media. Send us a, a private message. You could even email us. Did you know that, Jordan? Yep. We, we have an email. I actually email. just checked that last night. And? Um, nothing. Oh, not even Cars Extended Warranty, huh? No, they're just like, hey, there's this new thing from Anchor. So, mm. yeah. All right. So, 
as you talk about theology, I want to make a distinction here that um, we're talking about both systematic theology and practical theology. Uh, the Bible contains both. And it's important to know the distinction there where you're talking about systematics. And um, for those who are more knowledgeable in systematics uh, than I am, uh, I'm probably going to butcher this a little bit here where you're talking about a system of the, uh, theology, a system of teaching. So this is you talking about specific doctrines. Now, doctrine is another $5 word. Doctrine is just a set uh, standard of rules uh, or practices uh, as you look at a particular teaching of the Bible. Like, so if you're looking at who God is and his characteristics and how he acts and what he's like, you're talking about a doctrine of who God is. When you're looking at justification, uh, specific topics that are regarding that, you're looking at the doctrine of how Jesus makes us right in God's sight. Right? So as you're talking about systematics, what you're talking about is fleshing out all of these doctrines. And when you look at practical theology, what you're looking at, uh, and I realize, again, painting in broad strokes, you're looking at how systematics uh, is practically lived out in everyday life. And even saying that, I want to acknowledge that all theology is practical. Like other, Scripture doesn't give us unpractical theology, right? So uh, in its own right, in its own way, all theology is practical. But there is definitely, um, here's what the Bible teaches, so now what, right? So when Paul starts talking about in Galatians and Ephesians and the rest of his writings, what this means for Christians and how they ought to live out their faith, you're looking at uh, the practical theology. Here's how you should live because of the systematics of what God has done. Does that make sense? I hope I was clear in that. <laughs> and this is why they're $5 words. <laughs> right. <laughs> and why we maybe don't talk so much about, like, mm -hmm. so as, as leaders of students, I think we engage in theology and doctrine regularly, but we might not, consider like, say we're talking about theology and doctrine as much. Um, and that might be part of the issue. It's just that they're terms that we're not regularly using. And so if they're not a part of our regular vocabulary, um, the meaning can be lost on us a little bit. And, mm -hmm. and as we're thinking about this topic, too, where do we get theology from? Um, we're going to say the starting place for all this stuff is going to be God's Word. And why do we say it's going to be God's Word? Well, partly because of what God's Word itself says. So from 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17, um, Paul writes... And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. So again, God's God's word there. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's that's our ultimate goal with our students is salvation. And our, our ultimate aim and desire for ourselves is salvation as well in Jesus Christ. Um, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So we, we have here that it's not just this random collection of thoughts of dudes, but it is actually inspired by the Holy Spirit. God has given us this to reveal himself to us. Um, and it's useful, as Dan was just talking about, practical theology and, and systematic stuff too. So it's useful for these things, for teaching. It's useful for re rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness to the point that, as it says in verse 17, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we're talking about scripture and we're drawing from scripture because scripture declares it's adequate 
to bring us to a place where we're prepared, right? Uh, as Lutherans, we could also say Scripture also just happens to be the primary means of grace. Um, so we could, I, I'm just getting into the sacrament section of, of confirmation, if you can't tell. Um, <laughs> and so, but we see God's revelation to us, and um, it, it's such a huge thing. And some people might try to do uh, doctrine and theology and, and without necessarily going back to God's word, which is kind of seems backward. Um, but in practice, it isn't, I, I guess I can't say how common it is because I haven't done like a, I need to get pew on that one. Follow up from last week. Mm. Get back to you. <laughs> right. It, well, and it's, it's something to be said about, um, as a leader, you are one who is uh, instructed and uh, encouraged to be that kind of theological translator. Uh, to your people to help especially students understand uh, what this means uh, what the Bible says and as they grow in their faith they'll come to a a greater understanding in their own personal study to be able to see I remember hearing about that somewhere I wonder where else that is and to help them be more familiar with their Bible to allow scripture to be the source that they use to help interpret other scripture because that's the wonderful thing about theology is that it is all interconnected and it's like this uh, grand spider web where you uh, have different topics where you can't talk about sanctification without talking about justification and you can't do that without talking about the atoning work of Jesus and you can't do that without acknowledging the uh, doctrine or teaching of original sin and the fact that God is just so now all of a sudden you have all of these overlapping doctrines that are all tied in with maybe just this one thing that you were going to talk about this particular night about how the Bible says that the wages of sin is death and that later on in Romans, again, the uh, there's no no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, right? Romans 5.1. Well, what does that mean? You know, you, you have to look at all of theology and there you start to see the vast richness of the well that you get to draw from to show people, again, the, the value and just the beauty of how all of these teachings are connected. Yeah. So we got some other big words that we're going to go through mm. here as we're looking at how we get our doctrine and theology and how do we handle God's word as we are engaging in in these teachings. And one of the first terms uh, is going to be eisegesis. I'm going to start with eisegesis. So go eisegesis is going to be an approach of scripture where you are looking at scripture, trying to find something, an idea that you already have, and kind of pulling out proof text for it. So you are bringing meaning into the text that might not already be there. This is going to be no bueno. We're going to say this is not a good, healthy practice. Um, And something actually, I think it was within this past week, I was listening to um, a group of people talking about a certain issue and going to scripture. And I'm going to give you an example of this and how dangerous it can be. Okay. So from Genesis chapter one, 27, we're talking about creation here mm-hmm. and it says, so God created mankind in his own image in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. Okay. So standard interpretation going through this passage, we understand God is making man, right? Man is made in God's image God creates them, so Adam and Eve are created in God's image. Male, there's something unique about male that God is creating, and female, God is creating. That's what this text is saying. 
But what I encountered was someone arguing. So God created them in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Non-gender binary. God Mm. created thems. So it's male, female, and them. And so they're taking, that's not the intent of this text. That's not what it's actually teaching. But they are bringing that external thought into scripture and trying to apply that meaning there. Um, Mm. That was the first time I had ever ever encountered that. And I was kind of amazed by like (laughs) them, but they were, they were a hundred percent sincere and they were like shooting down this other guy. I was like, no, that's talking about multiple people like male and female them. That's two things. God made them male and female. But um, yeah. So eisegesis, Mm. that is one potential approach to approaching scripture. Yeah, amazed is a word you could use to describe your feelings at that point. I think I would use other words, but (laughs) (laughs) wow, that's, I mean, the danger with eisegesis is how quickly and subtly it can happen too. Um, I think one of the main ways that I see eisegesis happening uh, as I listen to other messages and even um, I follow some accounts on Instagram where uh, people are reviewing messages uh, from other pastors and uh, when people take God's word, uh, God's word applies to us. But when we make it all about us instead of the completed work of Jesus, that's eisegesis, right? When we focus on our own selves and try to read meaning into the text, that is uh, danger, Will Robinson. That is uh, get out of that kind of practice. So then it leads us into what we should be doing uh, with exegesis, which is drawing out from the text. Uh, When you read a difficult passage, like uh, a message I preached on uh, a couple weeks ago was Ephesians 5, talking about the roles of husbands and wives, uh, looking at the model of who Jesus is, right? When uh, we read a difficult passage like that, it's easy for us to look at um, our own preferences and the the words that we tend to have issues with in that particular passage at the end of Ephesians is headship and submission. And that's where our world starts to come and say, "Uh, no, I don't like that. And look at how narrow-minded these Christians are. When in fact, what's really being said here is, this is a beautiful picture of the relationship that Jesus has with the church. And you see it in the marriage relationship. Paul is not talking about men and women being better than one another. He's talking about the distinct roles here. And when you allow scripture to speak to your heart and when you take off, um, I call it kind of your biblical filter. Like if you, if you have like a colored cellophane wrap that you put over a flashlight, right? You can change the color or the lens that is on and it changes the color of the light that comes out of that particular flashlight or spotlight or whatever. And when you read the Bible, you have to take those lenses off and allow God's word to speak to you that God's word is designed to say a lot of things that you aren't going to like. Like that's, that's the point. It shows you your sin and it also leads you to Jesus. So when you are drawing from a text to, uh, even before you start to study God's word, to take time to pray and say, Lord, teach me what you would have me to learn today. Uh, I want to become the person you desire me to be, um, you know, remove, any distractions so that I can hear and actually change and impact my life here, having encountered you and allow that to be um, 
you know, the motivation for why I want to live and follow you. So um, when you draw from the text, right, you allow scripture to speak for itself. And scripture just becomes so much more rich and, and uh, intriguing. And you can bring questions that you have. Well, what about this filter? Scripture answers that. You know, when you, when you take a more objective approach, instead of having your feelings hurt, right, when you take a look and say, well, here's what scripture says about gender ideology. Is that when you say, well, I'm transgender or I am uh, identify as this, um, you know what, you're so much more than your gender, gender identity. You're so much more than who you say you are. Here's who God says you are, right? There's a greater picture. And you get that with exegesis. Yeah. So going back to that passage you were talking about, even mm. I think that's a great illustration because the brokenness that we operate in, we look at submission and we think right away submitting to an unhealthy person of power. Like they're, they're having power over me. And so right. like the man can wield that inappropriately and say, woman, submit. And you know, you get the whole joke of make me a sandwich or whatever kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the girl, the ladies can say, well, this is, this is dumb. Like I'm supposed to submit to this dude and all he has to do is love me. Well, like that's not so hard, but what they miss though, is like that love that we're talking about is like Christ loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? He gave up his own rights. He emptied himself and gave everything he had dying for her. So Christ's love for the church was to deny himself and focus on his bride. And so like both of those things are not what we typically assume if we're just looking at it through our cultural lens. Mm -hmm. Right. So all of that, um, just for the sake of time, we're going to move into uh, topical teaching. Like as you look at uh, theology, we want to clarify here what we mean by topical. This is basically taking exegetical practices and kind of condensing it into like a, a doctrinal format where you are, I want to, uh, if you were to come and say, I want to learn about the Holy Spirit, what does the Bible tell me about the Holy Spirit? Uh, you're going to be looking around at all sorts of different passages. You're going to be looking at a lot of uh, the later part of the Gospel of John. You're going to be looking in the book of Acts. You're going to be looking uh, throughout the rest of the New Testament, and even how the Holy Spirit is active in the Old Testament. You're going to find out all sorts of things. But that's kind of doing the topical study on one specific part of Scripture. Uh, you're going to see this uh, especially when, uh, as Lutherans or even uh, as non-Lutherans, there's a lot of other denominations that have this, but uh, when you look at a catechism, that's going to be like a topical study where you are going to look at specific teachings like uh, the Lord's Prayer, and you're going to be jumping around scripture to help you understand what um, give us today our daily bread means. You know, when you are looking at, uh, again, so speaking from the Lutheran perspective, when you look at the Augsburg Confession or the Book of Concord, those are topical studies talking about key teachings in scripture that deal with salvation and life as a child of God. So, and there's nothing wrong with topical studies. Uh, I think just preferentially, I tend to avoid topical studies a, a bit and just work my way through a particular book when I teach and just say whatever, whatever doctrines or teachings come out of this book, that's what we're going to focus on and, and allow the the theme of the text to influence our discussion for any particular night. But um, you'll also get this at marriage conferences. 
not to pick on him because there's a lot of uh, decent material he's written, uh, a lot of Chip Ingram studies, uh, things mm-hmm. like that where, uh, you know, seven ways to help your marriage. You're going to be looking at a lot of different scripture topics. Uh, but all of scripture, again, points us uh, to itself to allow us to have a clearer picture of who God is, what he's done, and, and the life we have in his son, Jesus. And, you know, as we're talking about this too, you might be asking yourself the question, like, is it really important that we're spending time covering theology? Like, isn't this kind of over kids' heads? And mm-hmm. as we kind of wrap this up, I just want to encourage you, like, you know, it may be new to them, but it's never going to become less new to them if we never talk about it. Hmm. And th- these are important things yeah. that we want to address, right? We want them to have a rich understanding of the depth of Christ and the depth of his word and what they can find there. So going into, um, you know, we might not call it the substitutionary atonement, but we cover the content and, and you could even use that term so that it becomes more familiar when they get older um, and encounter it later. But it may be over their heads, but they might also be more capable than we think they are. So don't run yeah. away from the deep stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because like Dan was alluding to, there's so much richness and goodness and glory of God that we can find there. So right. uh, we're going to wrap it up there for today. Well, well After I, I Dan would even, sorry. interjects. <laughs> I would even say like studying a difficult topic and condensing it down into something that a seven or eight year old will understand will help you understand it a lot better. Like that will aid you in your study. So don't be underestimating what kids are capable of studying. Instead, you know, all scripture is like we just read from Second Timothy, all of scripture for all people, right? God's gift of grace and mercy goes to, to all people. So, you know, don't just say, well, maybe when they're older, maybe when they're more mature, do it now and allow yourself to benefit from the experience as well. Yeah. And so just as a little teaser, um, we're going to actually dive into some of this in the upcoming episodes. So next week, we're going to be doing an example of what exegetical study and ex exegesis in practice is like. I'll put it that way. So I hope Hmm. you tune in next time. And until then, may you go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening to Flyover Ministry. You can find, follow, and give feedback on our Instagram and Facebook pages at Flyover Ministry. You can also get in contact with us on our Gmail account, flyoverministrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find other episodes that we've recorded on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and please feel free to share them with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.